0: Hoodoo plant mamas. Get your soul fed and your spirit red. This here and the trend. I possess the power from way back when. Back when folk was ripped from all of their kin So they had to find the magic
1: within. And together, my earth, I conjure
0: at my altar. Hoodoo plant mamas. I manifest growth and I release trauma. Child, we just out here trying to water our plants and mind our business, you know? Everybody from the deep south, man. Everybody can't have a culture like us.
2: Hey, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Hootie Plant Mamas. Today is our anniversary episode. That's exciting. It is a year, exciting.
0: a whole year.
2: Okay, since it's our anniversary episode, I thought maybe we could think about what this last year of podcasting has meant for us. This past year of doing this podcast has really
0: been a source of comfort, really. Um, It's been something that if I'm having a rough week or things just feel gloomy, it's been that thing that I've been looking forward to doing. Um, and this sounds so bad. I'm a, I'm a writer and I do other stuff. And so I think all the art that I engage in, including this podcast really gives me a sense of purpose. I don't know if that sounds bad, but it it does because working under capitalism doesn't give me purpose. But like when I'm creating something that I want to with intention and yeah, we're still under capitalism, but I'm not creating this for the sole purpose of that like there is nothing we ain't getting no thousands of dollars for this like we are <laughs> we get just enough through our patreon to like pay for the fees associated with this so this is really like something that we both genuinely love to do and so it's just been joy it's been fucking black joy yeah, even as we talk about grief and all of this other stuff like it's been a joyful experience. And I can't believe that we've been doing this year and I'm thankful for that. So what about you, Leah? Dang, you got
2: into gratitude too. But but yeah, I don't think I've ever shared this on the podcast before, but I know uh, when you had posed doing a Black spirituality podcast on the inside, I was like, oh my God. And I was terrified to do it. But I'm the kind of person, I'll do anything once. So, so, I you know, I agreed to do this, and I have just been surprised at, like, the warm reception that we've gotten, um, and we, I don't know about you, I didn't expect people outside of Mississippi to listen to us, and now we see we have, like, listeners in Brazil and Ghana, and it's like, oh my god, like, not just Mississippi or the South, but people across the world who are listening to us and having so many different people support us and people we didn't know before we started this podcast wanting to be a part of it and be on the show and to talk with us like it has just been an amazing amazing experience and for my gratitude i'm i'm also grateful for our patrons like because of them is why we get to do this podcast every week Mm -hmm. um and i'm grateful for all the guests that we've had who have helped make the show what it is and for all the new friends that we've made so amen Amen. Thank you so much to our
0: patrons and to the people that be cash apping us and stuff. (laughs) Like it goes a long way because, yeah. So if it wasn't for y'all, we might've burnt out because yeah, there's fees, there's all this work that goes into it. And so, but we love it. You know, we both, this is something we really love and um, love doing. And We hope that it's helping people. It's helping them get a little closer to um, figuring out how they identify spiritually in the world or just whatever. So So here are some ways to support the Hoodoo Plant Mamas. You can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and Instagram at Hoodoo Plant Mamas. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. To monetarily support our podcast, you can join our Patreon. We have a $2 tier for those who want to give every month to show their support. And we have a $5 all-access tier, which includes monthly mini-souls, tarot readings or card pools, and plant content.
2: If you prefer a one-time donation, you can give any amount you want on Cash App, hashtag who do plant mamas or paypal who do plant mamas at gmail.com if you are interested in sponsoring episode email us at who do plant mamas at gmail.com we especially want to work with black indigenous poc owned and queer owned businesses so for today we get to speak with shayla laws who is mm-hmm. another aquarius so that's a little anniversary surprise
0: Three Aquarians And yes You can tell I feel like when you listen to the podcast You can tell (laughs) (laughs) So yeah um, Let's get into the show Well hey Shayla Thanks for being here Hi Janie and Leah Thanks for having me Well, before we get started, can you give like a brief introduction of who you are and just a little bit about your work? Mm -hmm. Um,
1: So I'm Shayla Laws. Um, I have a book coming out called Speculation, Um, and I I feel like everyone's been saying some people have been saying Speculation, and but it's just it's a visual thing about like a definition. So it looks how a definition looks, but officially. It's, it's called Speculation. Um, I'm a poet and interdisciplinary artist, and the book kind of um, is between poetry, narrative, there's music, it's interactive, so it's me putting a lot of that digital stuff into the work. Um, and oh, and I'm also a performer, so that's also tied to the work as well.
0: Well, before we get into Speculation, um... So me and Leah, Leah might be finished, girl. I'm still working yeah, through I it. it. I finished but, it.
2: I finished
0: it. But we started reading How to Carry Water, selected mm-hmm. poems of Lucille Clifton, edited by Ari Selys Jermai. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Which, um, so yeah, we're both reading that. And Leah, who must read, you must read the acknowledgements first. <laughs> wait, when you said that, I thought that you did. I read it at the end. <laughs> I don't read them. For, I'm going to be honest. This is super.
1: Oh, I, I thought you were going to say you don't read them at all.
0: Okay. I do read them. I I only read them if I know the person and I'm like, oh, let me see who all this, they was talking to when they was writing this. Or if I just love the book so much, I just, I want to read every single page. And it's literally just to see like, yeah. So, but if it's just like, I read this book and I wasn't really feeling it. And I don't know the
2: person. I'm not looking. Uh (laughs) I mean, usually I always read like who is dedicated to and the acknowledgements and stuff. Cause I'm interested. I want to know. So yeah, so I'm going to read the sentence and then ask questions. So
0: the sentence reads, I thank the 11 wonderful thinkers who met with me in a cloud of a room at Pratt, where we around a candle and a packet of material thought together about... Um, the Mysteries and the Concrete of Clifton's Work, and then she lists the names. Okay, so it was something about the candle, because I was like, damn, did they bring Lucille in the room or something? So can you talk a little <laughs> bit about the experience of helping out with that? You know it was funny? I think particularly
1: the two of you would have really enjoyed that experience, because when you said the candle, that's exactly how it was when I got there. So our Sally's grandma um, teaches at Pratt. Um, I think she's actually the director of the writing department now, um, but it's funny because that experience really helped along the rest of writing, or getting back into writing new, the last of the new material for this, because it was it was, it was like winter 2019, um, and she was doing this workshop, and I was like, let me just go to this workshop. Of course, I'm like, I'm not gonna miss her doing this workshop. Um, but I had a, I had so many things to do that day, but I was like, I'm just going to come. So I, I go, and it's me and some other friends that I knew in the workshop. Um, and I guess it was 11 of us. And basically, it was kind of a free-flowing, writing, exercise-type workshop where it was inspired by Lucille Clifton, who was her really good friend. Um, and who they, I think they met at Cave So she actually gifted us with a picture of like a, a rare picture of Lucille and all of her children um, and she made copies and brought it so it was like like there were candles it was a very meditative type of writing experience which I have not had like one where if you needed something to be pulled out of you that was the experience for that so I felt like I was in a really stuck place and Araceli's is also so warm so like motherly like her spirit is just really good, that the whole room felt like it, it really did feel like she brought Lucille Clifton in the room through the stories and through the way she was teaching it. Um, and also just the care that she had for us. Because when I heard that, someone told me, they were like, oh, because I didn't, I didn't have the book yet, when it like first came out. And someone's like, randomly emails like, oh, I saw you in the back of Lucille Clifton. I'm like, You probably got (laughs) my name mistaken with somebody. I didn't realize she was editing the book. um, And that's probably what that like, the theme of the workshop was for like getting to that that book. But yes, um, the 11 of us had a really good writing experience, but she really got
0: me to the next part of what I wanted to write. Um, so Leah, who loved the music component, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also I'm sorry,
1: it's not as it's going to be like it's it's going to be on the website. The New York sirens going by, um, the radios that you see as pictures in the um in the book, those are actual like multimedia radios that I made that play the sounds and the poems and all of that. Um, and it'll be on that page.
0: Wow. So we're gonna to get to sound in a minute. There was a lot of sound in the collection. Um, and as you said before, it was interactive, which I really liked. Um, but the opening really put me um into mind with the act of which witnessing, which feels like one of the things of this book, um, particularly witnessing the depths of black people on TVs through <laughs> cell phones, which there's graphics of cell phones as well on the <laughs> news. Um, and even witnessing our own like impending death. So there was, and there was also a lot of grief, um, but then there's mm-hmm. like this um, interesting shift from part one to the last section. So the first line of the book, this is for the people that haven't read it yet. Um, the first <laughs> part of the book opens with um, a definition for speculation, noun, the faculty or power of saying vision And then the last, the first line of the last section is speculation observation of the heavens and stars. And so I want to see if you would talk about, talk a little bit about what guided you through the writing of this, particularly the significance of the title and the way speculation is um, repeated throughout the collection. So speculation, the
1: title actually, I'm usually a person that has a the title first, maybe sometimes also not to get to the writing. I'm like, ooh, the title, that looks nice. Close word document, <laughs> like that's coming together. But for this, I didn't have it for so long until the end, and I think it's because I was working under a title that I didn't like, and in I was writing it in a way I didn't like. So essentially, the the first question really that I was thinking of when I came to start writing these poems was the idea of witness. And what does it mean to witness the deaths of other black people and it be so public? Um, What does that mean when we're thinking about our bodies and how we witness ourselves and how do those two relate? What are the complications between the two of them? And then as an artist, how do you, so as like a performer or a writer, how do you um, use that witnessing as a kind of evidence? And um, as a, kind of archival thing to say, this did happen. Um, this is what's happening, but also not re-traumatize your audience as you're trying to recall these events. So how do you witness, but also heal through that? And I think that's how I got to the later title because the first title actually was, um, I was not dead yet. Cause it's that kind of refrain that's in that first poem. And actually at the time I remember I had said that title um, to the therapist I had when I first started, and she was like, at our very last meeting, she was like, "I was not dead yet." That the article of of that sentence, like the yet, what does that mean? And I was like, that's a really deep <laughs> question. I think is because I'm still in that healing part of the book, um, or of the work where it's you're you're still asking that question. So I had to come to a place where later through writing. Um, but mainly through the practice of, like, living, I was able to say, okay, I think I'm moving to a different place physically and mentally from where the book started. So with speculation, it was more like, this is a term that is, there are basically four different parts that I'm working with. So you mentioned, like, the the one definition that opens it, which is um, vision and seeing. So that's one aspect. What do we see? What in terms of media is um, being shown to us, but also what do we know really happens? So for instance, one thing I was thinking of is like, um, in our own, own communities, what's the violence that happens there? What's the like innate violence of the community itself um, versus like something overt, like someone dying or some, someone being killed by the police? that's the kind of violence that feels weirdly palatable to the public now. Cause they're like, oh, we know what that video looks like. We know what that is, but what about like environmental racism? What about like the everyday racism that we feel um, in our homes in our community, people left to die, like people struggling in that way. What, how do you recall that? What's, who's witnessing that? Um, and so in the book, I was thinking of all of those versions of witnessing and seeing, so like the vision starting off with what I see versus what someone else might see what the news sees or what the news um what the news tries to unsee or try to manipulate how that how that happens too um and then speculating on what could be possible beyond these images um but one thing specifically was this question. As I'm working through the poems, as I'm performing, the main question that kind of arise was, um, do you look more into these images? Like, do you turn into them? Do you focus on them? Do you kind of become obsessed with them? Or do you look away? And it seemed like everybody I would perform poems, I would like talk to people about the content I was writing and people would be one-sided and say like, no, we can't look away because of this or we can't look because of this. So say you say, we can't look because we need to protect our mental health. Or if someone else says, we have to look because we'll miss our own death. Those were like the two sides. And I realized through writing in the beginning and with the first title and everything, I was trying to answer one of those questions. And then it more so became about um, the intricacies of both of those questions. And the unanswerable element of them both, and how they can both exist, um, and I think we exist around those questions, and that like it, it feels impossible to answer either one. So that's also the kind of speculation of is this question answerable or is it not?
0: So one of the things that I actually had talked through this with Leah because I yeah I tend to not i don't i'm not able to be concise sometimes but we were talking about the shift from the beginning to the end, and like but also what i the other thing that I didn't mention that is like prevalent in this um in the collection is things around the body, and so at the beginning it feels like this outer body experience and then you kind of return to the body towards the end and um you said something, Leah, you added to that. I forgot, what did you say? Yeah,
2: I was talking like Shayla said at the beginning, a lot of it is like, I'm not dead yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end is more focused on the experience of what it is to be alive, mm-hmm. You know, what it is to not be dead yet. So yeah, this kind of shift from being consumed with death and grief to like trying to enjoy your life, even though there is death and grief around you. So I just wanted
0: you to add that, but i I do want to talk about um so at the beginning when we were talking about how to carry water, you said that um that experience of being at that workshop helped you so can you talk a little bit about what that helped you work through as far as writing speculation
1: mm-hmm. yeah um I think at that time I I feel like the book was always in different stages. So there's a little, the little bit that came out, and it was like, say like the first poem. I always think of the first poem as a kind of um, like monologue that like something that starts to play. Like it starts the the engine of what it is. And I had that. I had like the structure around it. I had like the radio stuff design, but not really any personal content in terms of family, um, in terms of myself. So. At first, when I was thinking of more like a public, the public spectacle or the a public form of grief, I was thinking of um, the people who've been killed by the police, the deaths I've witnessed that we've witnessed collectively and in writing into that. And then by the time I got to that workshop, I was more so in the section where I'm thinking of what do the, what do those larger deaths mean for you personally? Like, how does that relate to um, the deaths that are actually larger to you on a personal level in your personal life so your family the personal losses the things that you're going through how does that relate so there I had just experienced a loss and it was my cousin who passed of cancer and I was that was an interesting loss for me because I talk about another loss which is my aunt in in the book Um, and that one is more like it is related to the way I'm talking about disappearance. And like when you film, so Leah, when you were saying like that, it's kind of the beginning is kind of like out of bar, out of body, like experience or it's like distance from the body. That felt to me like that. But when my cousin passed, um, she was so full of life and so full of stories. Like even to like very end, we we're just like telling stories. Um, and and also it also was such a shock. Like the death was such a shock. We didn't know um, that that was going to happen. Um, So I think after that, everything to me became more focused on living and like, how can I put her memory in my body like at all times? Like, what does it mean to not forget somebody on like a really deep level in that way? And to me, I was like, she would want you, like, I feel like people always say, it's like, this person would want you to do this. They want you to laugh. They want you, but she really would. I could like I when I think of her she's laughing um so I was like how do I put that into my body and into the writing and I just was stuck I was like wasn't writing anything I was like what like I don't want to make it sad poems I don't want to make it this I don't know what to make it but I was really focused on the living in my body so I wasn't writing but I was living living well (laughs) but I wasn't writing anything about it then I got to the workshop and I was like this is like the first Um, space that's made me want to like open that into the work so I forget what she specifically gave us but it was something that just related to me in that way
2: that allowed me to to write it Um, and that's where that started so I mainly had questions about the music I love that you added that to your collection. So something that I notice a lot that writers tend to do is that they have some other medium that they're passionate about, um, whether it's like film, visual arts, theater. Um, And for me, it is music. So that was something that I loved about this collection. I love the meditative quality of listening to these songs um, and having them in conversation with your own writing. So can you describe the role music plays in your work? Yeah, um, thank you. Also, that makes me think we had to
1: exchange some playlists. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, so you yeah, have my Spotify now. Um, yeah, the music, for me, music has always been like one of my favorite things. I used to be want to be a music journalist. And I was just like, that's, it feels um invasive. To- to like the practice of listening to music for me, I don't know, like critiquing it in such a way never felt um, good to me, but it's enjoyable and it's meditative. I'm glad you said that. So in the book, in some ways, performance for me was that it was like, when I perform this material and it's in my body, I can perform it in a way that there is naturally some kind of um, humor or lightness or, um, or like levity to the performance so and going back to it there were actually a first there was a Saba song which I think you didn't hear during the excerpt but it's on the playlist um and I just always deeply connected to that one song right so for a while it was like this book and one song was incorporated um and then I started to think about the ways that music as like it's a part of our daily life, but it's also an interruption from other stuff. So say we're watching the news and say something really big is going on. um, And it's something that is pulling us into grief, right? And then like a song comes on the radio, like your favorite song or something you relate to, there's a way that it pulls you out, but also more into what you're physically experiencing. Like there's just something that music makes, moments more honest to me or it um it opens out what you're already experiencing. So I started to incorporate it in a way that like just like a TV show or a play where um the music becomes a part of what's being said. Like the music is saying something too. And so if a song comes on before or after or is leading you into something they're connected in a way that um to me adds some type of relief. So you can go from really hard poem to a song that's doing that too, but there's something in the drum, there's something in the piano that is like light or that is relieving um, for me. So that's that's how I experience music. And so I wanted to put that experience into the book so that the reader is always moving through these different portals, like moving through the work that's carrying you and then the, the music carrying you as well.
2: So Danny sent me, when the spaceships come for, and I think it said blank, I want to go with them. And a quote that we both really love was, music has often been how I've loved, saying here, let this sound pass through you the way you have passed through me, the way we memorize things so we can keep them, the way we keep the sound of a lost loved one's voice tucked somewhere inside us, for now, forever. This is now our way of speaking. This way, nothing becomes a silence. Nothing ever truly dies. So many times I've wanted to say something, and the music has said so itself. So my question. um, When I read this, I think a lot about all of these projects that, you know, Black female artists have produced. And that a lot of people see them as like these defining parts of the Black female experience. So I'm thinking projects like Solange's A Seat at the Table, Scissor's Control, Ari Lennox, Shea Butter Baby. And so this question is kind of for all of us. Do y'all have any works that go into the Black female experience or Black spiritual experience that you want to share?
1: You just named a lot of really, (laughs) a lot of the ones I was thinking of, you just named I guess i can give kind of the same answer with Solange. I feel like those, um, when I get home, and um, what was the other? I see at other? the table. I see at the table. Those two feel really, defining for me as well as like the other ones as well as like SZA, Ari Lennox. Um, one that I think is interesting that I didn't listen to enough, um, before, but now I'm much more into that album is, um, Lauren Hill. Miseducation of Lauren Hill, which I feel I just always hear so many um, like Black women musicians, singers talk about that as that defining album for them. Um, and it reminded me that I need to go back and be more inside of that album. So that's definitely like a obviously not new album, but to me, and as far as being close to me, it's one that's newly close to me.
0: So with Solange, I did like a seat at the table, but um for me when particularly with music and ex- the spiritual experience of it, is it's very like bodily. So if it makes my body feel something. So I actually really liked Solange when I get home because I felt like that particular album was all about the experience, if that makes sense. Like there wasn't a lot of words, but it was like very just like in the body and then Shadé, my queen, like there's not a particular album because I was actually going through multiple albums. Like I was, um, I remember when I was going through like really particular, a really particularly tough time in my life, I was just Shadé was all I was listening to. And then the two OG albums. All right. Alicia Keys songs in a minor, My mama, it was my mama. So even now, when I I, there are certain songs I listen to, and I feel like I am exactly back in the moments that I was with my mama, driving in the car. Like my mama was that black woman, she mad at her man, and so we just listening to (laughs) Alicia Keys and Mary J. Blige. Um, My life gave me one. Yes, the song "My Life" is like. I actually can't listen to that a lot because whatever life experience or moment I was in in my life, like I remember that song being like my mama would listen to that song so much. And so those those are three that I come to mind, just like the way black women create um, art that is helping black women get through particular moments in their life. And that kind of thing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So those are the four I narrowed it down to. Um, I love all of those. Also, you just gave me I'm
1: like, oh, these are the ones when you were saying like your mom driving around and being brought back to that time. For me, Erica Baidu Baiduism. I'm like, how can that? It's it was Erica and Maxball on cleaning like every <laughs> those were the two. And she finds it so funny now because I'm like my favorite, Erica. She's like, you stole my people. <laughs> um, But yeah, that one.
0: I literally put Baduism on there, and I took it off because I was like, <laughs> girl, she said, she just, you ain't got to put that many, but yes, that one too. You know what?
1: And, okay, lastly, so I have I guess three. Lastly, Missy Elliott. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to think of which album it was. So, little known fact, I was in a hip-hop dance group. <laughs> When I, I don't know if I said the picture. I'll, I have to pull up this picture of our calendar that was for sale. Um, my mom made our outfits. She's a seamstress. And um, <laughs> we only danced to Missy and Aaliyah because the choreographer loved Missy and Aaliyah. So whatever Missy album it was during that time, <laughs> I just remember some new Missy drop and it was like, all right, y'all, the moves, gotta learn <laughs> to Missy. So that i can't think of which album it was but definitely i feel like all of missy's albums but
2: okay so for me my albums are emily sunday's long live the angels it's i think she wrote it after her divorce with like this man she had been with for half of her life and a lot of that album i appreciate it because like it's about searching searching who you are, searching who you are in the world. Um, There was this line that she had said, like a cross around my neck and a crystal in my pocket. And so a lot of it is like this mix of like God, but also like something else. Um, But yeah, I love that album because the whole thing is about searching and at the end, there's never an answer to it. But I do think that there was an answer in her next album, Real Life, which is a lot about, like, her feeling more comfortable in her spirituality um, and in herself. She is a biracial woman. So, yeah. Um, and in that same vein, I also love Jamila Woods' Heaven. I have to add that. Yeah. <laughs> I have to add that. That's... that. I listened to that while writing this, actually. I can't oh. believe I forgot about it. Okay. It is such an amazing album and something that I love. Jamila was, is a black queer woman and something that I love was that she took like our gospel songs and she took Bible verses and she kind of changed them around to be like, instead of me searching outside for God, I'm going to search inside mm-hmm. for me. So I love that album. Um Also, I know I said Ari Lennox's Shea Butter Baby, but I love Ari Lennox's Fuh, which is her EP. <laughs> Beautiful. Every song's a masterpiece. I listen to mm-hmm. La 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 like once a week. <laughs> um, and then my last one is Now's Saturn, which she wrote about her Saturn return. It is an amazing album. So those are my four. I love those two. Actually,
1: when you were saying that, I just thought about... um. Wait, what was the second-to-last album that you just? Uh, Jamila Sorry. Woods. Yeah, so the Jamila, okay. Jamila. Woods. Um, yeah, I definitely was listening to Heaven, like as I was writing this, and uh, a, a, a song that could have been on this playlist, that, cause I have like 50 songs that were like hovering around. I thought about them a lot. Is Stellar. Um, cause thinking of like, and also thinking of Lucille Clifton. Black women talking about like celestial bodies being like that. Any, a lot of songs, any songs that do that are usually um, favorites of mine. I feel like um, Stella is one in which Jamila Woods is doing that and talking about that. This kind of like unearthly relationship. Um, yeah.
0: The last song that I had that I put on there was Willow Smith's, her, her recent album, Girl, I needed that as a teenager. Wait, which one? Um, What is it called? It's like a rock album. The, the newest one? Yeah. Okay. The one with Avril Lavigne on it. Yes. Oh, Lately I Feel Everything. Lately I Feel <laughs> Everything. That's, that's literally the theme of my teen years and just like a black girl coming out. Like, I listened to it all the way through. And so it's definitely like, there's only like two songs that put me kind of where I wanted to repeat it, but not obsessively. Like I usually get with songs, but I still love it. Like as a piece, as a body of work and like, it's just super like necessary for black, particularly black girls who are like weird or whatever. And just, you know, so I'm really happy that Mm -hmm. exists. And if I was, like 16 or some shit right now that would have been my album like soundtrack <laughs> of my life. So
1: I have to go back and listen to that one because so I'm really late with adding these albums. I'm adding them through like remembering, through hearing the two of you talk about them. But Willow's first album, I would like to pronounce that. It's like depth but I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. Um but that album, I was writing a lot of fiction to that album just because she was like creating new worlds and characters in each song. Like she has a song that goes into the um, Adventure Time, like it's a whole of Adventure Time illusions. Um, but something about that, I always think of that album because, and I think of like black girl genius in terms of it being re- not respected. <laughs> because there was a reviewer who will not be named like a reviewer that a lot of people know on YouTube who I do not watch anymore ever since two times he had two strikes and this is um one of them um but he basically put the album on he was doing his review he was like he didn't believe in the album he didn't like it not because anything sonically not because of how it sounded uh he felt like her as like I'm, maybe she was 15 at the time as like a 15 year old black girl would not be familiar with the content she was writing about like would not know the stuff and i was like am i hearing am i hearing this <laughs> right now but that's he would just could not imagine that to come from the person it came from and i was like i was like should about to get all my streams too <laughs> but that was that was ridiculous um that makes me think of that too just that whole thing. But he's low-key always going viral for disrespecting the Black artists all the time. Hate to see it.
2: Um, <laughs> did you have anything you want to ask us, Shayla?
1: Ooh, okay. So let's turn around this. <laughs> no, that's funny. That's actually an exciting question. One thing, right? I want to know about your reading experience, just because I feel like I never we never get to hear what like, I hear what you thought of the excerpt, but not real. I don't get to hear like personally what you, thought. so how,
2: what was your experience as a reader feeling your way through this excerpt? So when I started, I did not know what to expect. I don't think I got like a a summary of what the collection was going to be about. Um, And so I was trying to, to figure everything out. I love the the way that you arranged everything, it reminded me of Claudia Rankin's uh, Citizen and kind of the different ways that she put, like, picture and text and all of these things to tell about this experience. I was very excited about the music, and I would, like, read, and then I would try, when I was listening to the music, I was trying to listen to for what the artist was saying but also trying to listen to see Mm -hmm. how that related with what you just wrote and so that is what I felt going through through the excerpt that we got so when I'm reading my brain
0: does this thing where I'm I have to have a picture or something like um and then when I listen to music it's the same thing so to be honest, when I started, I was like, woo, this a lot. Because with that song that <laughs> kind of brings you into it, honestly, I felt the same way. I felt similar, but not I was in a I was in a different space, obviously, but similar to how I felt when I first like read a little bit a little bit of your work a few years ago. And then so it was still this like very bodily thing. And then um, but then that shift happened. Um, and so Yeah, I think I experienced it in exactly the way that I described it, where it was like this, um, outer body, like, experience and, um, this whole, like, I just remember feeling exactly the same way, like, some of what you write about, the experience of, like, witnessing all these, um, deaths, but also witnessing whatever you're fucking witnessing in your family and with your own personal shit and, Um, that's why I really like that poem. Let me go to it because I already told you this, but, um, a poem called, she calls me by my first name. There was this stanza that reads at night. I sink into the bed and wake up pressed between my mattress and the floor. And even the touch starts to feel good. Like when I tell you, like, I remember when I, when the when everything came out with Sandra Bland like I have a specific memory of um laying in my bed in this place that I hated I had this really bad living situation and I like felt like I was like dying or something um Mm -hmm. and so yeah I just it was very much like I felt like the music went with every single moment and then you gradually kind of return to like yourself your body and also like sort of like empowered um in a particular way like i'm here i'm alive like i'm staying alive that kind of thing um so yeah i hope that makes sense girl i'll be long-winded no
1: thank you too very much for um even
0: <laughs> being willing to answer to answer and, th-
1: and think those things through. i appreciate hearing that
2: I know Danny said at the beginning, it felt like this outer body experience and then it got a bit more concrete. But I think like through the music, it felt kind of the opposite to me. Um, the beginning feels very much like New York. Like it feels like it has a place and stuff. And at the end, I'm thinking of the No Name song at the end. It feels very ethereal, very outer, like worldly or whatever. So,
1: Yeah thank you too very much
2: all right
0: so well before we like in did you have any other final thoughts or anything you wanted to share before we uh i just want to say thank you for having me on
1: y'all's podcast i've been listening and i really like um what i hear i was actually i wanted to listen to something again so i was playing the preview you have on spotify but there was something specifically that was so it was so cute, it was so funny that was said, Oh, it's not gonna be on Facebook. <laughs> <Yeah. It's laughs> like still the laugh, not. like the understandable <laughs> laugh between the two of you, like <laughs> I just like how this is um both like a conversation for the listener, but also between just like between the two of you too. Like I like I like that about podcasts, so I enjoy that. But I enjoy that like it was like a private joke. <laughs> like if you know, you know why that's not gonna be. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you both so
2: much for having me. Yes. Thank you for joining us.
0: Yes. Of course. Thank you. We're so happy you said yes and we can't wait for everybody to read. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Listen, we don't know what people gonna say, but I'm yeah, we're super excited. I'm super excited for everybody to like experience your work. And so yeah, thank you for being here.
2: I love that Shayla came and talked to us. So Danny, what are you still holding on to from this interview?
0: Well, I honestly loved hearing Shayla's journey of writing this book and how she moved through like the personal grief of familial loss and the collective grief of black folks to sort of like shape what the book was going to be like, even down to the title going from I Was Not Dead Yet to speculation and how her therapist helped her unpack the initial title, which I love. Like, I feel like. Um, What she shared was a reminder that so much more goes into our art than just the writing or the act of creating, especially um, when it deals with grief and trying to live and heal through um, grief that is due to racist violence. And so for Black writers, there's so much shadow work we have to do when documenting our lives, our families, and our communities. And so yeah, the way she talked about that journey was really impactful for me. Um and then I also love the music component. Um music, I feel like the music that's incorporated in this really takes the experience of the collection to another level. Um I also have to add, I don't think this is a spoiler, but one of the songs used in the collection is Every Nigga Is a Star by Boris Gardner. First of all, when I first heard that song, somebody had did this mashup with just Black people being beautiful, Black people smiling and being happy. And I've I've always loved it. And it makes me feel alive um, every time I hear it. And so the fact that it comes at a particular point in the collection kind of goes with this flow of like, we're moving through witnessing and speculating. Am I alive? Am I dead? Who will be next? And then back to the living and just being black and beautiful and alive and um celestial. I think that's something that we, <laughs> ethereal, whatever. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just love that. But I was really impacted by like what it took to write the book being in therapy, working through family loss, like there's, there's so much. And I feel like it's healthy because a lot of people write about like a lot of heavy shit and they aren't dealing with it though. They aren't dealing with it. They're just writing a beautiful book and then they're left like in shambles after. And I think that's very common specifically with memoir, but we ain't got to get into
2: that. I can get into it. Like memoir is <laughs> <laughs> memoir is hard. Something I hear over and over again is memoir is so much harder than fiction. Um, and the reason isn't just the writing part of it. it is what you said, the shadow work that goes into it. Um, the amount of inner child work, the amount of, and this was something Hari talked about on our last episode. Like there's so much that you have to do mentally, spiritually, emotionally to be able to write a great memoir that won't ruin you um, when you finish it. So yes, I really did love how Shayla talked about that. And I love the journey of this book from witnessing these traumatic events to finding some kind of healing and finding some kind of life at the end. Uh, I especially love the part where Shayla talked about wrestling with the idea of speculation when it comes to these videos of police brutality. This was more towards the end. And and she talked about the two sides of it. And I've always been on the side of, like, I don't want to see it. Because when I think of someone's, like, end-of-life moment, I think of it as being tender and intimate and personal. And it feels like an invasion to watch that. And then not only that, like, these deaths are so violent and they're so public um, that it, it makes me, it makes me uncomfortable. Like you're watching the life leave someone's eyes. And I don't know about other people, but that kind of stuff haunts me. And, you know, I, I have had family members say like, you need to see this. You need to know what happens. But it's like, I know it happens. <laughs> I know it happens. Whether I see it or not, I know it's a reality. And so that that has been something else I've been wrestling with, like, am I a bad Black person because I don't want to see a Black person die a violent death? Um, so I was very happy that Shayla was like, there is no right or wrong answer to this. Um, and, and, and she was kind of like working through this gray area of that. And also, as you said, the music, also my favorite part. And she made a manuscript playlist, which kind of helped me to uh, make a manuscript playlist too And those four albums that I had are on my manuscript Playlist so Well I'm ready for it I I'm can share you it
0: yours. Listen cause I know that's about to be good Um, I wanted to add that I agree. I'm on the side with you where I don't want to see it The fact that A memory that still hunts Me is seeing Mike Brown's dead Body floating around Twitter Like No, I still remember that. That was how many years ago, and it caught me off guard. Like, Twitter was blowing up, and I see this, I see it, I see it, and I can't even believe it's real. And I logged off, and I'm that person as well. Like, don't send me the videos of nobody getting shot, don't send me none of that. It's just, but if people feel like they need to see, I don't know, I'm not judging. Just keep, leave me out of it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like, I, I don't judge you if you feel like you have to see it. Like, if you're the in the camp of, like, we need to witness this. But, mm-hmm. again, don't, don't show it to me. I do not want to see it.
0: You know what? No, I'm going to say it. In the witnessing, you need to be lighting a candle then. Because we, speaking of that... <laughs> Juju has an episode called Niggas Die Different The way that black people have been dying Especially by police It is so violent And it is so unnatural Like to how people are supposed to be transitioning Into that realm And it is I think leaving spirits restless, leaving people restless and, and not even knowing which way to go, you know That's the most useful thing I think that we can do If you're going to witness, you need to light a candle and, and maybe try to lead that person to the light And I and I know that's not a simple thing to do Especially if you don't have a relationship with that person Um, But I don't know, I feel like there's a role for all of us in that But I don't, yeah I'm not gonna go on a tangent. I I just had to get that auntie moment in because I'm I'ma just say that I think that I don't know what the point of witnessing that is without doing some kind of like mm-hmm. spiritual work alongside it. It just feels like traumatized like traumatizing yourself. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. Anyway, y'all should make sure you pre-order <laughs> Shayla's book, speculation. It does come out October twenty eighth, but if you pre order it through Autumn, I think it's Autumn Press, you'll get it. Like I have my, I ordered mine at the beginning of this month, and I have it because apparently it they start shipping it out early for pre orders, so you can order it when this episode comes out and get it by the publication date. Um, or you can wait till the publication date. Please support independent bookstores, preferably black owned. Um, if you can. If you like this podcast, you can like, rate, and review do Plant Mamas on Apple
2: Podcasts. Yes. So I wanted to share a message we got um from Tam because I love it so much and I think it's fitting for our anniversary episode. So Tam wrote, hey, plant mamas, I discovered your podcast last week and I haven't stopped blabbing about how dope it is and how amazing you both are. I'm starting a business and wanted to reach out to let you all know that your episode about God and nature is the inspiration behind my logo idea. I have been struggling trying to come up with the logo for months, and as I was listening to y'all at my restaurant prep cook job, the concept came to me almost instantly, and I just really want to thank y'all for the guidance, for opening my heart to Mississippi. My grandparents are both from there, and I haven't visited since I was a youngin. and y'all are the reason I'm reaching out to all my Mississippi family to connect my family history puzzle and figure out where the hell I came from. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and I love the podcast. Congrats to y'all. Thank you, Tam! Thanks, Tam. That is so sweet. Wow. Well,
0: come on down, then.
2: (laughs) Come on down to Mississippi, child. Yes. So if anything from this show resonated with you, make sure to share with us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and Instagram at Hoodoo Plant Mamas. Stay tuned for our next episode, y'all. Bye. Bye.